I want to share something that I've been asked from some of our staff and others have asked me if I would share again, because we have people that have new people have come in to share on concerning the power of blessing. So I'm not going to go back to the very beginning, but I will share how it got started and then I'll go into something that I've not shared before with related to that. Week before last, I was invited to go to Salina, Ohio and to do a conference on the power of blessing. <clears throat> I didn't know what that entailed until I got there and it turned out to be over 20 some hours of straight teaching. That stretched me. When we originally did the first Power of Blessing uh, CDs, there was 10 of them, actually 11 of them. That was 11 hours, so we just doubled that. But I realized that it became such a subject that was so inexhaustive that there's no way you could just end up saying, I've done it all, been there and done all of that. And so, but it has become part of the culture of this house. So one of the things that we do is, if you visited here for the first time, hopefully that you got a CD, which was the short thumbnail version, the power of blessing that I did somewhere else, because we wanted everybody to know this is where we are in this house. We're here to bless one another, and we're here to understand what that looks like, and not just blessing in terms of materialism and all those kind of things. So this happened a number of years ago. And I didn't realize it was going to take on a life all of its own and be transformative. I have a file in my desk about this thick, <clears throat> some of them are on my phone, of people all over the world actually that have watched online, have gotten the book, and have read it, and tell the testimonies that when they begin to bless, what happened to change their life. Pastor Duane was just sharing one about someone watching from the UK. We have uh, over 2,000, 2,400 I think was the subscribers we have, and there's 1,800 that, that watch on uh, Facebook. And so with that, we've just seen a tremendous beyond the four walls here of the transformative that. So when I did this in Ohio, people were coming up and they had already bought the book or watched some things on YouTube and were sharing testimonies from healing, inner healing, revelation of what the Lord has done, just changing the culture of their own environment at home. And so uh, this really began... I was sharing on April, just a Sunday morning in actually 2010, I think it was, 2005. Now the book came out in 10, yeah. <clears throat> uh, just on blessing. And, um, and Sherry Dickerson, who's not here today, if she's watching Sherry, man, you've, you've had an impact. She came up to me after service and she said, wow, this has really been an eye-opener for me. Can you do another week on that? And I wasn't used to doing serial things. I'm ready to move on to another thing, another topic, another way. And I said, well, I'll pray about it. And in the course of that, I did. And it started unfolding little by little by little every week. And so it went on for 11 weeks. Out of that came book. Out of that came, it's been translated in several languages around the world. They saw where Germany's picked it up, Korea's picked it up. Uh, saw that France may pick it up uh, in Spanish and I don't know where else. And uh, the testimonies are, are wonderful, not because I wrote it, but because it's simply the truth is powerful there. Yes, it's a very simple truth, but it's a culture. If you'll set it up in your home and your life, it is transforming to your family. Yes. But it began really for me. Diane and I were going Interstate 30, and you've, you've heard me use this story. It's in the book. But I want to say this as a context for where I'm going to go that you know, I have not shared on before. And we were, we were heading somewhere in Interstate 30. If you've been in Dallas, you know that's bumper-to-bumper traffic. And people there drive like there's no tomorrow, like there's a fatalistic, you know, mindset on them. 
and we were going really fast, bumper to bumper. If you slowed down, you'd been run over. You don't have to worry about the police stopping you. They couldn't have got a car in anywhere. So we were in the flow there, and all of a sudden, there's a young man, a little S10 pickup, without turn signal or anything, came over in our lane, almost clipped the front of our car. And I mean, it just suddenly, you know. And something came out of my mouth that my mother would have not been happy with me about. <laughs> and I said, idiot. And Diane, who was sitting next to me, it sounds very much like the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> she said, pardon me? And I said, well, it's true, he is. All of a sudden, I had a conversation that probably lasted three or four seconds, but it was volumes between, in my heart and mind between me and the Lord. And he said, why did you call me an idiot? And I said, God, I didn't call you an idiot. Well, anytime God says you did, then there's no argument. <laughs> because he'll always use his word. I said, no, I would never call you an idiot. He said, well, my word says, how can you bless me whom you cannot see, and yet you curse man whom you can see? He was created in my image. As you've done it to the least of him, you've done it to me. Any other words? So I said, wow. And I said, I'm sorry. And he said, now I want you to bless him. So in a good East Texas fashion, I said, bless you. <laughs> Thinking that would be it and I'd move on. And I heard the Lord say, I want you to bless him the way that you want me to bless you. Well, I need to think about that. And now I've got skin in the game. I need to consider for just a moment how I'm doing this. So I thought, hmm. So I said, I declare over you that you're a son of promise, that you'll fulfill all that God has in store for you, and that your family will rise up and call you blessed, and you will see good days and not have famine, but you'll be prospered in everything your hand finds to do, and you'll get home safe. Amen. <clears throat> uh, the only way I can describe it is I felt the pleasure of the Lord something physically, not just spiritually, physically flowed through my body like endorphins and, and all those little oxytocins and, and all of those other good chemical things flood your brain. I felt my body experiencing it. It was spirit, soul, and body. There was a healing that came to me at that moment that I could feel physically beginning to do that. And it felt so good, it became my drug of choice. Because I felt something inside of me that I wanted to do it again and again and again. And so over that course of time, started blessing everybody and everything we could think of. And, and we know in Scripture, in Romans 12 even says, bless those who persecute you. Bless your enemies. Bless those who you don't feel like blessing. And by doing so, you're blessing and honoring the Lord. As you've done it to these, you do it to men. Well, they don't deserve it. So we don't deserve what he gives so if God gave us based upon our meeting out our own dessert, then none of us would have anything. So when we're blessing, we're saying, I'm operating in grace. I want grace, but I need to operate in grace by doing that. If you understand this principle, it, it will change the way you pray. It'll change the way that you see life. It'll change the way everything that threatens you will no longer be a threat because now you come in the power of blessing instead of, you know, return evil for evil. <clears throat> One story, and then I'm going to move on. <laughs> there was a lady, staff would know who she, I'm talking about. She was, she was a lady that uh, came here for a little while. We didn't hardly know her. 
but she would she was just given the staff fits and I can say this if she was here today she would she'd be willing to testify she was always pointing out our faults pointing out what we were doing wrong you should have done this could have done this and and then leave and just you know send in mail it in you know kind of thing we were doing the best we could just exhausting just exhausting and so then she'd leave and we never had contact with her and so one Sunday there's people coming to the front ministering and staff was right here I remember that this lady came forward and she said, I need a word from God. And I thought, yes, you do. <laughs> and I'm just the one that can give it to you. <clears throat> I felt like we were in the bottom of the ninth inning, bases were loaded, and pastor was up to bat. And we, were needed the, we needed the home run. And so she... Look, so I was ready and prepared in my mind to give to her what she had been giving back. And all of a sudden, what came out of my mouth, you are a gift from God to this house. And the Lord blesses you and he loves you. And we're so glad that you're part of this house and part of this family. I look at the staff and we're going, oh, you just struck out, man. <laughs> yeah. I didn't believe what was coming out of my own mouth. I didn't even believe me. But out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth can speak. And so I was thinking, oh, God, I just saying, you know, feel like I got forked tongue here. <clears throat> Everything of my natural mind and senses wanted to say how I felt. Instead of giving the mind of Christ, I wanted to give my mind. So a little bit, so I just, I didn't really want to open my eyes. I thought, I'm heading out the back exit. I don't want to even see the staff. You know, staff meeting's coming up, and I don't want to be there. <clears throat> All of a sudden, she just fell to her knees, grabbed me around my knees, and she said, I know I've been an issue. Thank you for loving me anyway. And she started repenting and started loving. She was, nobody ever knew anything about it, but she, what became, you know, very, just changed her demeanor completely. And I looked at her, yeah, I knew what I was doing <laughs> I learned right then that blessing has nothing to do with how I feel. If I'm judging whether a person deserves it or not, then I'm setting myself up before God and says, I will determine those who get the chance to see you. They have to clear out through me and they have to go through my thinking first of all. And a lot of times it's the test to, to bless and not curse and the, the definition of that is simply, blessing is seeing things the way God sees them. Cursing is the way that, that we see it or putting in a lower position than what God sees it. I'm going to show you something differently than, than what you've ever read in the books here in just a moment. And so we, we, the power of life and death is in the tongue. And we choose. And we have a choice of that. We have a will involved. The first Adam chose my will. He ate of the tree of good, of good and evil, which was now became the, the tree of the curse. Jesus, the second Adam, who represents the tree of life in the Garden of Gethsemane, though he was facing the hardest task of his, his, his all-God, all-man place in this world, and he said, not my will, your will be done. I can tell you that the difference between cursing and blessing is choosing a will, choosing a side. I'm going to move on the tree of life, and I haven't always done that. I, I don't think anybody in this room could say we, we've been 100%. Right. 
but we sure know how to correct it and we know which tree to get back to. And so I, I've seen all kinds of stories, all kinds of changes, I mean, that we've, we've seen that has been so powerful. The family, my son was, I said it was the last story. I don't think it's this in book. The son was on drugs. And the family would, I was talking to the family, this is in a Bible school where I was teaching. And they said, our, our son's on drugs. He's, a, he's in his 20s. He lives at home with us. He's going to be the death of us. He's taken all of our money. You know, my mind was saying, why are you enabling then? You know, our mind is, kicks in. And so we go through this whole process of the natural versus the spiritual. And so we get into this point and saying, you know, I, one of these days I'm going to get a call and go down to the morgue and I have to find out my son's dead. He's overdosed and it's just a mess. Our life has been tormenting. So I said, why don't you bless your son? And he goes, how can I bless something that's so evil? He's drug addicted. I said, I'm not saying blessing what he does. I'm saying blessing him. Because what he's doing is really not him. His spirit man was created in the image of God, but the rest of his soul and who he is has so suppressed the real person that all you see is the outward. And yet we find all the way through Scripture, 1 Samuel 17, when, um, when Samuel is getting ready to anoint David, and David is ready to anoint in, uh, David's bigger brother and God tells Samuel don't that's not him well here's David he's the run of the family he said God looks not on the outward but he looks on the heart so God sees something inside of us that has potential that's redeemable but we look on the outside and then we respond to what we can see by the five natural senses yet God gives us five spiritual senses to discern after that realm but when we decide whether a person deserves it or not, we have setting ourselves up as judge, jury, and executioner. <clears throat> Got plenty of places in Scripture to see how that turns out. So I, asked, I challenged them. I said, for at least three weeks, would you bless them? And I showed them how to do it. They get, got some CDs of how to bless, how to craft a blessing prayer. And you don't even have to feel it. You just simply have to declare what God has said. Because God is prophetic. He declares where we're going, not where we are. And all this family is doing is reporting what they were seeing and where they were, not saying what we will be. Aren't you glad that God sees our potential where he wants to take us, not where we are? And that was the theme of this weekend. God's not about interested in rehashing your past and how bad you were. He wants to talk to you about your future and where he wants to take you. It's not those who start the race, but those who finish it receives the prize. So I was in the second week, I got the letter back, and after the second week, he was in a bar, this young man was in a bar getting ready to start drinking with his friends, was the MO, you drink a while, and then you smoke dope a while, and then you do all kinds of other evil stuff a while. You have to medicate your, your brain so you no longer have a, a conscience or a conviction. He said, so it was at the end of the three weeks, it was on a, a Saturday evening, and he said he hears a voice, and the voice says, are you having fun yet? And he thought to himself, not really. He said, then go home and repent to your parents. So he told us, he got up and his friend said, where are you going? He said, I'm going home. He said, man, it's early. What, what's the deal? He said, I'm not having fun. He goes home and his, comes on the door and he's sober and his mother looks at him. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. You sure? You, you, you look different. It's amazing when they were praying for Peter when he was in jail, but when Peter shows up the door, they said it was his ghost. <clears throat> we pray one thing and believe another. 
And so anyway, he said to her, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. What time is church tomorrow? And she told him. He went to church with him the next day, gave his heart to the Lord. Last I heard, he's just pursuing going after God. They changed the language about their son. Instead of declaring what is, they begin to declare what can be. It's not God's will that any should perish, but all shall come to the knowledge of the Son of God. So we can bless people without acknowledging how bad they are, but declaring how, who, how good God is the creator of them. I just received a letter not long ago, a lady in, uh, out of state, because she watches online. I don't want to say too much. And she, she uh, sent me a letter, and I, I called her and said, my daughter has just gotten married to her partner, lesbian. How can I bless this? I mean, there's plenty of in Scripture. How can I bless this? Again, I'm not saying you bless the practice, but you bless the spirit man within them and call them out of darkness into light. I understand that people have a will, and they can have a choice in that. But there's something within us we don't want to see. God's redemptive in that. We don't want to see that good thing. We want our flesh, we want to see that, you know, pay for it. <clears throat> That's our nature, fallen nature. And I've been there. And so out of that, she began to bless. And so I hadn't seen this just recently, so we hadn't seen the end of this. But she has gotten peace over the issue that she's put it in the hands of the Lord. One of the things that blessing does, it changes the person who's blessing first before it happens to the person that's being blessed. Count those things that are not. That's why he said in Romans 4, related to Abram and having a son that he couldn't have. Count those things that are not as though they are. The problem is we tend to report how things are, not how good God is. But God is. But God is. And I understand how difficult it is when you're faced in this world and circumstance and conditions, you want to say how bad they are instead of you going to God first and presenting before God and declaring on earth what has already been said in heaven. And that's the prophetic line of what blessing is. Our First Peter 3 was our text for, for all, all of this, and then I'll get into <clears throat> something that, that I haven't shared before here. Let's pick it up in verse 9. It starts out, Husbands, love your wives in such a way, giving understanding and honor to the wife as a weaker vessel. I want to just suggest to you the word weaker there doesn't mean muscles. Because I've seen some ladies get bench pressed more than me. So we know that doesn't mean. But it's the word precious or valued is the word there. Giving honor to the precious or the, the one who's to be partner in line. That your prayers are not hindered. So it tells us right there that prayers are affected by how we view and how we bless one another. It, it's really affected that way. If I can be bound on, on earth, I can be also be bound in heaven. If I unforgive, if I'm not forgiving here, I'm not forgiving there. I'm not forgiven there. So if I'm cursing here, then I'm bound there. So in order to have heaven and earth coming together in the favor of the Lord, because the Bible says when a man's ways please the Lord, he'll even cause his enemies to be at peace with him. So the kingdom of God is so backwards from how we think. If you want to go up, you've got to go down. You've got to humble yourself. If you want to see, you know, God forgiven, then you have to forgive. If you want to see the mercy of God, then you have to sow towards that. And so the, we, when we understand the kingdom of God, and it's a kingdom of blessing. Or look in verse 9, if you will. This was the verse that hit me between the eyes after my encounter on Interstate 30. 
Do not return evil for evil. In other words, the same spirit of their, that that other person might be. Or reviling for reviling. The nature is, you do it back, you give it to me and I'm going to give it right back to you. That is a human nature that has to be crucified. But on contrary or in opposite, contrary blessing, which is the word eulogio in the New Testament, which means we get the word eulogy from, speaking well of, speaking of the potential, not reporting how they are, what they are right now. But contrary to how you feel, contrary to what they deserve, contrary to what circumstances, but you instead bless them. Knowing that, that you were called, and the word called there, kaleo, K-A-L-E-O, is a, like a parent would name a child based upon what that expectation of the parent that child wants to be. Nobody calls or you know, names their child Lucifer. I hope. You don't call them Lucky John either because, you know, that's, that's the form of that. But you call them based on something that means a, a heart desire for them and you name them for that. That's what kaleo means. So if you read it with that understanding, he said, on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you, that you were called kaleo to do what? Called to this. You were named, actually, you were named, you are the blessor. God named you blessor. I was called to be a blessor long before I was called to do anything in ministry. In fact, when Fedora was saying, you know, I don't know who would quit their job like, you know, Mike and to, to become part of the church. And I said, I think I'll quit my job. So and I'll just be part of the church. So that was supposed to be funny. I don't know why nobody thought that. <laughs> I'm serious there. <sighs> Suck the oxygen out of the room. I used to quit the ministry every Monday. <laughs> now just every once a month I do it. <laughs> but notice that you, we were called to be one who blesses or the one who carries, one translates, the seed of blessing. When God blessed them and he said what? Be fruitful and multiply. The word fruitful there simply means full of fruit, full of seed rather, excuse me. Because that's what fruit is. It, it bears a seed inside of itself. So I said, be fruitful. He says, carry seed. Seed from another world. Now, some of you need to really get a hold of this. Don't let your mind wander off here. You're carrying the seed from another world. You're carrying the seed that God has put with you. To be fruitful, it means that you will reproduce the very kind of seed that's in you. So when you reproduce that seed, you can see what kind of seed it is. When you see that fruit, you know exactly what the seed was originally. When they say the apple didn't fall far from the tree, that's kind of a demeaning thing. It's, it's like, like the same thing in the family. Well, we have been born again, not with corruptible seed, according to 1 Peter, but incorruptible seed. So we are full of seed of the DNA of God. I cannot say I have the seed of my earthly father and his nature was this and he acted this way and he was that. I've been born again. Old things have passed away. I am now of the seed of my father. If I choose, have a will to, I'm going to be fruitful as my father says I can be fruitful. So when he says, and he blessed them, he's, he means I'm declaring over them, this is their potential. I've given them the seed within them to come to that full potentiality. But when a person carries anger and hostility, it means that they may, 
I want, I want Jesus, but I'm not giving up my own will to carry my own, my own seed. I want to carry my own seed because I may want to throw it out here. So he's saying to us that being crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. In other words, I, I have to let the old seed die and have the old seed be crucified because it was the seed of Cain that had injected through Adam a bloodline or a seed line back into mankind that took the seed from, a seed from another world to come and destroy the seed of the first Adam. So we're either the first Adam or second Adam. We're coming to new kingdom. So notice the rest of this he's saying. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. In essence, that your inheritance is based upon how we've blessed others and how we've spoken others to others. That's the inheritance that comes from heaven. Not the inheritance that comes from your bloodline of your earthly. It is the inheritance that you comes from your Father in heaven who's the one who named you the blesser. So when we live up to our name, then we have an inheritance. That means, and he says, that not only will he reward us there, but he will reward us him. He who sees in secret place, he said, will reward you openly. So it's not just waiting to heaven, that there is a reward right now for people that make a choice to declare blessing and not just reporting how they feel about something. All right. Now look with me to... Uh, Jeremiah, the 17th chapter. <laughs> I'll get into something we've not shared here before. Jeremiah 17, pick it up in verse uh, 5. Cursed is the man, again, cursed is one who sits on the seat of the scornful, the one who all they see is criticism. They always see every, the glass half full, what it should have been, could have been, you should have done this. They never declare something as good as God has said is good. When God created us, he'd say, I'm creating, but I know you're, you're a mess. And God knew the end from the beginning, so, but he didn't say, state that. He stated what our potential could be. It says, curse it, or it's the one who places something in a lower position than what God intended or said. Curse it is the one who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. In other words, I don't care what God says. The Bible says, I'm going to go by, you know, Joe Blow over here, and so he, I, I trust him what he says who makes his flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. The heart, the spiritual part, departs from the Lord. You can go to, listen to me, you can go to church every week and check that box out and your heart depart from the Lord. Well, I'm a Christian because I'm an American or I'm a Christian because I go to a church. That doesn't mean anything, but it's where the heart is is the big issue. So I can sit and do all the right things and yet my heart depart from God. So when I stand before God, I don't come in on the family plan. I come in based upon what I've done with Jesus, what I've done with him. Have I followed him or I followed my own flesh? Now look at this. He said, verse 6, For he shall be like a shrub, this is the cursed man, shall be like a shrub in the desert, shall not see when good comes. Now let's, you, this is how you can determine whether you're operating cursed. I can't see anything good happening. My eyes look at something and it always is going to come out bad and negative. That means I'm operating in a curse. Yeah. Psalms 1 said, Happy is the man that does not sit in the seat of the scornful. One of the translations is the seat of the cursed one. So in other words, so sometimes people see, that's just the way I see it. I have to call it the way I see it. Then change what you're seeing. Yeah. You know, you don't have to call it. You call it the way God sees it, not how you see it. That's right. yeah. <laughs> 
He will not see when anything good comes. Can anything good come out of Bethlehem, it said? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's what they were saying. Because they were looking and for somebody that Levi would have to come out of the tribe of Levi and Jesus didn't come from the tribe of Levi. He said, can anything come out of there? Well, yeah. God changed the plan on them and says, I now want you to see what the Lamb of God looks like and he doesn't look like a Levite. He shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness. Can't make a living, can't get by, nobody loves me, nobody cares, you know, mad at everybody, everybody's against me, and you know, that is a parched place. But they shall inhabit, they're going to live there, hang out there, that's their address. The places in the wilderness in a salt land, which you can't grow anything, which is not inhabited. Verse 7, let's get to the good part. Blessed, happy, the one who sees the way God sees, that sees it through the lens of God, through the word of God, and says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. So here's how you know when you trust in the Lord, is instead of me coming up and tell Pastor Jim, I'm going to speak the truth in love to you, <laughs> which is code for, I'm getting ready to take you apart. <clears throat> I've heard those coded messages before. I love you, brother, and so because I love you, I just need to tell you how I see it. Well, you hang out in that, that dry bush. I'm going over here and be a tree planted by the river. It's a choice. So when we say, we're saying, blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord, I'm trusting God to speak to Pastor Jim. There's something there. I'm trusting God to say something because whoever I'm blessing, I say, I'm literally trusting you to speak to them. But if I'm not trusting God, then I'm going to do it myself. I got to got to do it myself. Instead of taking it before the throne of God and finding grace and where it can happen supernaturally, I got to do it myself. I just feel better when I'm doing it myself. Get my pound of flesh. And we've all had that, that feeling. I mean, there's times that I felt anointed doing it. <laughs> but it was from the dark side, I should say. He's a man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord, where's the anchor, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river. He now is extending his capacity, he's moving every which way, and he will not fear when, when heat comes. When hell comes, I'm not going to worry about it. When gas prices go up, I'm not going to cave in. When issues happen in the world that I can't do, instead of being mad at it and cursing politicians and people that are just simply puppets by demons anyway, I'm going to approach the throne of grace and I'm going to delight myself in the Lord and he'll give the desire of my heart, which isn't to kill them, but it's to meet with the Lord, have an encounter with him. Whichever lens you look through is the one that you feel empowered by. Whatever you magnify is the one that you've given power to. But, 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 I can hear the but, 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 but. Sound like a four-cylinder car that's missing two. But, 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 but. All right. Its root springs out by the river and will not fear when he comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious. Anxiety, anxious, which means I don't know what's going to happen. I don't either. All I know, it's going to be good. The goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Whatsoever we think, that we will see. We need to change our way we think so that which we 
believe in our heart, we become like what we're seeing. So that when we'll not be anxious, not be fearful, that when, fear, when the heat comes, but the leaf will be green. Anxious, not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding its fruit. Man, you're going to be fruity all year. <laughs> Tootie fruity, some of you. Some of you got a bit of root. Notice what he said. It will yielding its fruit all year, so there won't be a bad season. Well, there's a good season. I'm waiting until the next shooter drops. Something's going to be bad happen. I know it. That's not a fruitful bearing mindset. Why the Bible tells us why we can't have a fruitful season, instant in season, out of season, no matter of the circumstances going around us. The heart is deceitful, verse 9, above all things, and desperately wicked, who can know it? We don't even know ourselves. I, the Lord, will search the heart and test the mind. And the word mind there is actually translated the reins, like a reins of a horse. I will test the reins, test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways. The word ways there is an interesting word. It's the word direct, not direct. D-E-H-R-E-N, direct, which means a conversation pathway. In other words, let's walk together and we're going to talk. So in the original it said, according to a man's conversation. I'll give to every man according to his conversation. Whoa. According to the fruit of his doings or the result of his conversations, faith comes by hearing, but hearing is an act of faith. Not, faith. not hearing only, but act of faith without works is dead. So he said there's a conversation and then there's a demonstration. When uh, Fedor was blessing Mike up here, his conversation about him, and then he demonstrated by praying for him. Yes. And so what we re realize, he's saying that he's going to, for a man to direct his conversation in all of his ways, and acknowledge him, says he will be fruitful in all of his deeds. I will cause his, his, his deeds or his actions to be fruitful. If you're not seeing God showing up and doing what you believed him doing and you're disappointed in him, then maybe we have to change your conversation. The action of having conversation with God and with one another, how do we do that? All right. But he said the heart is deceitful. He uses the word mind or reins. He said, the Lord will test the reins. How many know anything about horses? And we got some horse people in here. I know you do. Literally, is the, the, you put a bit in a bridle and with reins, you guide the horse. I grew up with one. I loved doing it. And a horse that was trained, you just laid the, the reins over on its neck and you didn't have to pull on it. And the horse knew this is one went to go. But if you had a horse that was stubborn, you do that and he wouldn't respond. You'd have to reach down by its mouth and grab right up next to the bridle and you'd pull it around. We called it a cold-jawed horse. You'd pull his head around. I had a horse that I was about 12 and I was riding and my dad was training it. He wasn't quite trained evidently. And we got away from the barn. He took off running and dead run. You know it because their tail is sticking straight up. They got one thing. He was called barn soured and he was, he was running to the barn. You, you know what I mean. I did everything that I'd been trained to. I used both hands, pulled back, which you weren't supposed to. I pulled his head with the reins, everything. I wasn't big enough to reach up and grab 
the, the, near the bit. I pulled on its ears. I twisted his ears. Everything that I knew that I would been told to. And this horse ran in the barn and I ducked because the barn was right here. I ducked where I wouldn't have been in the barn. Bolt caught me around the ankle to just, just peel the hide off me. My dad said, how come you didn't grab his bit? I said, Dad, I couldn't reach it. He said, you shouldn't have been climbing out on its neck to get a hold of that because it could have saved your life. This is that word, I, the Lord, comes along and I test the reins to see whether you'll respond lightly or do I have to grab your mouth? <laughs> the power of life and death is in the mouth, tongue. Do I have to grab it and pull it around? Because wherever your mouth is, there's your, your way you're going to run. So when you pull the horse around where its head is, usually, then it can't run sideways, he will run in the direction where his head so if the Lord can redirect our mouth, and which is the direction for our head, then we've got a new pathway. So when he's talking about, I, the Lord, test the reins, he translates here as also mine, I test your mind to see whether I am actually in control of what's going on. I don't want to have to God break my neck to, to get me to do it. So we have the, the blessed man and the cursed man the cursed man is going to, person is going to live in a dry place, see everything negatively, see everything hope without hope, and is going to be angry and, and mad all the time. The blessed man sees the potential of what God has in store for them. Now, look with me in, in Numbers, uh, Numbers 22. The background of this is the story of Balaam was a prophet that was not a very good prophet. He was a prophet, but he was unscrupulous. He would prophesy for money. In the New Testament, there's a guy that wanted to do it first called Simony. And you realize there's 800 numbers that you can go and uh, dial up an 800 number and put in your credit card, and you will get a prophecy based upon how, what, how much experience you get. I mean, it is sad. For $20, you can get somebody who's just training you know, they're just operating in fortune cookies. You know, the higher you go for 100 bucks, you get someone that's, you know, got training wheels off, I guess. So Balaam was a national prophet, but he's one that had not had yet been able to feel the reigning of the Lord. He had not yet been able to feel the touch of the Lord. And God used had some drastic reactions to them. Well, Israel had been so strong moving through the land and winning battle after battle. And so there was a king, his name was Balak, and he recognized that if we don't do something to curse Israel, we cannot stop them in battle. Their God is stronger than the gods of Moab. So we can't stop them. So we'll, get, we'll hire somebody to curse them. So he goes, he sends a delegation out to Balaam, and he comes and saying, will you come and, and curse these people? He didn't say which ones it was. And at first, and so, and so Balaam goes out there. You got to come quickly. And Moab brings that up the elders. He's got this huge welcome wagon for, for Balaam. And he comes to there and Balaam says, you know, in verse 12, and God said to Balaam, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. So Balaam rose in the morning, said to the prophets, prince of Balak, uh, go back to your land for the Lord has refused me permission to go with you. In other words, I can't go curse them. 
Look at verse 15. Then Balak sent again princes and more numerous. They sent more, more back to him and gave him more money, more honor, blowing it up big time. And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus says Balak, the son of Zippor, Please let nothing hinder you from coming to us and cursing these people for us. And he says, For I will certainly honor you greatly, and I will do all these wonderful things to you. And we realize that there's ministries that you can pay for. Sad to say. You can pay for ministries. And I'll tell you whatever you want to hear. All right. Notice this. I want you to come curse these people for me. Verse 18. Balaam said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were able to give me the house of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Now listen to this. He was saying the right things, but the reins of his heart were one of something else. Saying the right things, but his jaw was set like a cold jaw horse. And he knew really where he wanted to go. Now, verse 19. Now, therefore, please, you also stay here tonight. He's telling the Moab guys. You stay here tonight that I may know what the Lord will say to me. I'm going to go back and get see if God's changed his mind about this whole thing. You stay here and wait here. In verse 20, and God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men come to call you, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you, you shall do. Did God change his mind? All right. Look at the rest of this, verse 21. So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. Now you have to look at the context. God says, if they come to you, then you will go with them and speak the word only. But notice, they didn't come to him. He saddled his donkey because he had already made his mind up what it was going to be. He premeditated how it was going to be and he knew how he was going to do it and he was going to manipulate things and make things happen and twist it around and saying, well, maybe you know, God really gave you permission, but he didn't. He said, God even put the fleece out if they come to you. It's like in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Not just, we got to pray. No, you got to those who are called by his name, operating in his name, not just praying whatever they want to and cursing whatever they want to, that humble themselves, lower themselves, recognize that God, you are in charge yes. and pray, then I'll come and heal the land. That little if in the preposition of every sentence there is such a huge thing before God. So he saddles his donkey and they ride off. God's anchor was aroused because he went. <laughs> I think that's so hilarious. God's anger's aroused. You can tell when God's anger's aroused. It seems like uh, everything is not working my way. He, anger was aroused because he went, and the angel of the Lord took his, his stand in the way, again, direct, and by means also conversation, stood in the way of his conversation as an adversary against him, and he was riding on his donkey and his two servants with him. Now the donkey saw the angel of the, of the standing in the way, and he with a drawn sword, the angel with a drawn sword in his hand, and the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And, and so Balaam struck the donkey, beating up on the donkey. Verse 24, the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path another place, but stood in a narrow place between the vineyard with a wall on either side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall. Where are you going to go? It wasn't going through the angel. Pushed herself against the wall, so he struck her. Balaam struck her again. And then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in another narrow place where there's no way to turn left or right. 
And there was nowhere to go except so the donkey just saw the angel and laid down <laughs> under Balaam. His anger was so aroused, it's amazing how we get mad at things when that's trying to help us stop. So that anger was aroused and he struck the donkey with a staff and the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. Love this. And she said back to Balaam, I mean, that would be, your donkey's talking to you, that would be a sign and a wonder right there. That'll just, that will really tell, talk at the coffee shop. Yeah, I was having this conversation with the donkey the other day and Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and she said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, now I'm talking to him, because you have abused me, I wish there was a sword in my hand for now I would kill you. So the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey on which you've ridden ever since I became yours? To the, even to this day, was I ever disposed to do this before? And he said, no. In other words, I haven't had bad behavior up till now. Now you want to kill me. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. I mean, this donkey said, thank you, Lord. <laughs> then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, I guess direct conversation, and with his drawn sword in his hand and he bowed his head and he fell flat on his face. In other words, yeah, there's a sword here, but it's not for the donkey. And he sees this angel, his eyes are open, and the angel Lord said to him, why have you struck your donkey? Why have you struck your donkey? There's animal rights people who love that verse. Yeah. We, have, we have struck your donkey, you've struck your donkey three, three times. Behold, I've come out to stand against you because your way, your conversation is the word, your conversation is perverse before me. I hadn't even got there. But God said, well, I've tried the reins. And I know what's going to happen. You're going to get there and your conversation is perverted. Because you're willing to curse these people that I've blessed because the money was right. So God's saying, if I bless them, then I also have to defend them. If I'm cursing something that God has blessed, then I'm in opposition to God. So now look at the rest of this. So he takes him out. Finally, the angel says to him, verse 35, Then the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with them, but only the word that I speak to you that you shall speak. So Balaam went with him, princes of Balak. And the story goes on where Balak takes him and he shows them Israel. And what comes out, he starts blessing Israel. Oh, how beautiful are the tents of Israel. He just blesses them. And Balak says, hey, 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 you're seeing him from a different place. I'm going to take you over here. And he actually takes him up to a high place, which was a place of where Baal worship was going on. And he saw this and look at him from this angle. Surely you can find something bad to say about him. Does that sound familiar? I just, from your perspective, it's okay. But from my perspective, I think you're cursed. So when God is saying, I want you to see from my perspective, not just change in your perspective because now they're financing or they're paying you or because they, you, you like and they're friends, you've got to see it through the eyes of God, not through how you feel about it. And finally, he just keeps blessing him, blessing him. The end result is, there's an interesting end of this story is that um, in 2 Peter 2.15, 
it does speak about Balaam. And he says they are talking about the depravity of false teachers, and he uses Balaam as a false teacher. Having eyes full of adultery, they cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed men. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. I can take you back through. And so what, because Balak wanted to be cursed, I'm going to pay you. So Balaam said, I can't curse them. But he said, I can tell you how God would curse them. So Balaam starts showing Balak how to trip up the people of God so that God would curse them. He said, if you will introduce prostitutes, temple prostitutes, and you will introduce this fornication and adultery to the people and get them to also eat, eat meat that was sacrificed to idols, then God will be the one to curse them. Isn't that interesting how the devil knows how to get God to say, because of justice and righteous, I can't let you go on farther. To trip us up, to trick us, to get us to where we are operating under the, that, this thing that Balaam did, knowing that I'm not going to sit with my mouth, but I know how to get them tripped up. I know how to be a stumbling block to them. I'm not saying anything. Have you ever seen that? I didn't say anything. I just kind of gave the idea to someone else to come over and entice you. But it was, I, didn't, I'm, I wasn't the one that did it. But the stumbling block, he showed them how to do it. And, and, and they did that. Introduced prostitution, fornication. So that's what he's talking about. And he calls it, uh, number one thing is he, the way of Balaam. There's a number, the next thing happened was, you can find it in Jude one eleven, is that um, it is the error of Balaam looking for something personally to be profit from it. So we have the, the way of Balaam. And then the error of Balaam is that I can justify it if I'm going to get something and benefit out of that. It means there's no fear of God. I can do this because let's do evil though so good can come of it. Man, if I could, if I could just get a little bit of curse here, I could send missionaries around the world. Well, you're going to stand before God. It's not what you got out of it. It's the heart that was involved with it. And here's the third thing with Balaam was the doctrine of Balaam. Revelations 2 and verse 21 explains this and it's really, and he connects it with one of the seven churches there in the Pergam, Pergamum. And he says to them, look at verse, uh, verse 14, Revelations 2, 14. This is the, the compromising church, Pergamus. He said, I know your ways and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. There's actually the throne of Satan was in Pergamus. And you hold fast to my name. You did not deny, even when the martyrs were happening. But he said, Satan, you still allowed Satan to operate there. You had, you've had some good things. You cannot have some good things about, uh, with God and then compromise on some other things. I give my tithe, but I'm over here fornicating. Then it still doesn't work with God. As Fedora was saying, one-on-one -on -one ratio doesn't work out that way. So 
He says to them, verse 14, I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. That is the doctrine of Balaam. There is the way, the error, and the doctrine of Balaam to that point. Let me finish up with saying that God gives us blessing in, that is related to the whole issue of the principle of seed, sower and seed. 2 Corinthians 9 said, it's God who gives seed to the sower. So if he talks about us being fruitful and inheriting blessing, that means there had to be seed involved in it. When he talks about being fruitful, it means that there was a seed at some point in time that we had the opportunity to plant it and sow it so we could be fruitful. Just because he says you'll be fruitful doesn't make you fruitful. He said, I'm giving you what you need, but you have to do something with it. So God gives seed to the sower, and it, it belongs to him. So I've given you seed or blessing to sow. And when you sow blessing, it will reproduce after its own kind. There's an interesting verse in, in uh, Matthew, the 13th chapter, when he, he mentions um, the parable of the sower and the seed. And he, he puts another parable in connection with it. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Verse 25, but while men slept, they weren't guarding. While they slept, his enemy came and sowed tares or another seed among the wheat and went his way. We, the tares were cursing. In other words, he's saying you have to really guard the field. And Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of your heart comes the issues of life. And that's where cursing comes from is our heart gets out of bounds. Our heart gets, gets angry. Our heart gets the point to where we've lost focus with God and he's got to grab a hold of the bit and turn our head back into what, what is reality the way God sees it. But it's so easy saying, well, if you could see it from my point of view, you would do what I did. That's, that's what Balaam said, Balak said. Come up here and look and show them. I want to show you how it felt. Let's show you what they, how they feels like when they did it to you. When it happened to you, this is how it did. And no matter what direction perspective you go, it comes back to the Word of God. God says, I blessed you. You have the fruit to bless or you, you have the seed to curse. The devil has seed as well. God has given a seed. We sow the seed of the enemy. While men slept, the enemy comes and sows the seed. Or we can sow the seed of blessing or we can sow the seed of cursing. Either one, they will reproduce after its kind and fulfill that. We can pray for a crop failure. Anytime that we've done that, God is quick to forgive us. Repentance means I have to change the way I think, which is the whole thing. I've changed my way I think. God, they don't deserve it, but I'm going to give it. That's the reins. I'm trying the reins. And so you're pulling my head back. And he said, let me show you how things could be if you did it my way. If you trust in me and not trust in the arm of flesh, I'll show you what it can be like. I understand there's circumstances that we could pull on, our, pull on the strings of our heart. But the very nature of God is the fact is, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they did. Only one sin when the Bible talks about don't even pray for them. And that is related to blasphemy. But he comes right down to that point of saying, don't end up carrying the heart of Balaam. That ends up 
causing other people to stumble. Let me tell you, there is a lot of immorality that's, that's happening in the church world now more than any other time is because the, their postmodern world, it has become a trending. Well, God forgives you, and so it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll sin, and we'll ask God to forgive us later. That means we don't fear God. I'm just trusting flesh. But when you honor the Lord with every part of your life at all times, at all seasons, at every moment of the day, then he says, I will cause even your enemies to be at peace with you. And they have to step aside and let you pass through. You in charge of the way, the direct, because of conversation. Father, we're so thankful that your word is life. Your word is true. The power to bless you've given us. And because you want us to choose righteousness, you also give us the power and the, and the choice to even curse so right now, we just choose God's life. Deuteronomy 30 says choose, choose, choose life. When you go into the land, these things will be upon you and blessing on you. But if you don't, here's the curses that will come on you. Matthew 7th chapter said, with the judgment that we judge will be meted out to us. But let me just say that all judgment is not wrong. I have to judge my own heart. And to the way I judge my own heart and being righteous judgment, then it can be meted out to me in such a way. I don't have the right to judge another person's heart because I don't know what's going on in their mind. I can't read their mind. I can judge my own heart and I can judge with the Word of God my own heart called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And if you don't feel conviction of the Holy Spirit, that means your heart's become hardened and you don't feel anything. That means that you're turned out of the way. But great is because we can sense, we feel the tug of those reins laid against our head and said, you just crossed the line. I'm keeping you from destroying yourself by going and cursing. Takes an angel with a sword. I love you enough and I'm going to stop you. But the next part of Matthew 7 is, but with the measure that we measure will be measured back to us. Isn't it great that you can set your own wages? You can decide if you want to raise. By the measure that you've measured is coming back to you. Your generosity to your generosity comes back to you. Not just money-wise, but to the blessing that you give out and meet out is comes back to you in so many different ways. If you've sown it, get ready because there's coming at you fruitfulness. If you sense that nothing good happens for me, nothing's right happening, everything's against me, then you might be in the desert place where the cursed man is. But the good thing is you can ask the Lord, God, change my heart, set me right, because I want to be translated over into the side of the, where I can be planted fruity all year, green leaves, and see the goodness of the Lord. So I pray over every one of us here, God, right now. We, we just do a corporate repentance. And we ask you to, to forgive us, oh God, where the enemy came in and sowed seeds. And we responded to those seeds in such a way that we yielded to it. God, would you pull up and plant everything that you didn't plant, everything that you didn't bless us with? Would you cause it to, to be broken off and we sever ties to that? and we renounce it. Cleanse our heart. Cleanse our own ways. 
We submit to the reins. We submit to your bridling of our mouth. And give us, Lord, the tongue of the learned. Give us the tongue of righteousness. Give us the mouth, O Lord, that says what you say. Help us to even be so conscious of it, O God, that we stop and say, God, what is it you want to say and what do you want to do? Because I can't say that I'm, I love you and I'm following you when I fought, went my own way. There's only one way, and that's your way. Just stand with me if you would right now. <clears throat> if there's something that you're believing God for, whether it's a financial, miracle, relational, healing in your body, whatever it might be, I can tell you the power to bless affects everything, every part of us. As one thinks in the heart, so he becomes. We know medically that so much happens in this physically inside of us when that we're feeling the pleasure of the Lord. So just lay hands on yourself. Let's believe God for miracles right now. God, we choose life right now in Jesus' name. We bless anyone who's persecuted us. We bless those who have despitefully used us. We bless those, Lord, who maybe had another motive that we don't even know what's in their heart and mind. And we don't even need to know. We just need to know your mind. You didn't give us circumstantial butts in there. You just says, this is the one way. Bless them and don't curse. So God, I release your fullness and blessing upon every person as we release blessing, as we release, oh God, your favor, that you don't give them, Lord, what, what we would not want to come to us, but we receive, we want them to have the very thing, God, that you bless us with. We want the inheritance of the favor of our God and to see fullness and good days. So I praise you, Lord, and thank you, God, that this house, this church is a, is a temple of honor and blessing, that every person, God, that blesses one another, that they see it through your eyes, they see the potential, that we lay down our cursing, we lay down any judgment, we lay down what should be and could have been, might have been, and we choose your way. And there's no buts about it. There's no circumstantial buts about it. It's your way, God. We submit to your reins in Jesus' name. I bless every, every physical body that is struggling with medical issues and physical issues right now that the life of the blesser comes into your body and he flows through your body, soul, and spirit through every room and every particle and every place of your body and therefore cries out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And everything within me is I want to bless you, Lord, and I can't bless you if I'm, if I'm not blessing others. So I just thank you for the empowering of your presence, Lord, and your precepts, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name.